This is the Epilog Audio Experience. Quick disclaimer for a podcast, the SOS show, points discussed in this podcast should not be relied upon as conclusive medical advice in any case. The host shall not be a substitute for proper medical professional. You must seek professional help in case of any requirement. Thank you. There is an absolute lack of sensitivity in people when it comes to mental health conditions. A lack of understanding, a lack of vocabulary within the mental health ecosystem like the front desk to the tired practitioners and of course outside the ecosystem it is very prevalent hi guys welcome to the sos show with me suchita and our guest for today is neha kirpal who is the co-founder of one of the popular mental health centers amaha she takes us through her journey of being a caregiver to her mother and brother to incorporating those challenges that she faced as a caregiver into a problem solving outlook enjoy the episode hi neha welcome to our podcast the sos show and thank you for being here and thank, thank you. you for uh, joining the conversation and thank you for your work in the mental health space which is so important and so poignant because it is something that what our conversation is going to be about uh but just to start off neha we had this talk yesterday in detail for but for our listeners you've been a caregiver and you have seen severe mental health condition from your childhood and uh i coming from the same space identify and i exactly know what you would have actually gone through trying to find your way Tell me a bit about how it all started in your childhood. Um, you know the, the the experience of mental health uh, in our family, uh, and and for me started before maybe I developed a vocabulary for it. I certainly didn't have an understanding. Yes. Um, and um, you know as as disturbances within the family and and parental conflicts became more and more uh, kind of evident. um there seemed to be this this paranoia developed today i can look back and say that but as a 5 year old how it started for me was really you know when my my mom came and said that um, uh, you know maybe you shouldn't brush your teeth because your toothpaste is poison you know uh, and somebody is trying to uh, trying to kill us right and yeah. at that stage of course i mean it it felt odd but uh, uh, you know it, it's probably the first time i started seeing a altered reality um mm. and then sleeping with our uh with the with the desk and the cupboard pushed against the door um so that nobody comes and attacks us at night those were little experiences as we started off but uh, the fact that that went on and uh, and of course it 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 became a lot worse over time uh made us realize that uh, there's something more to this than simply um you know parental conflict and, and other yeah. challenges yeah yeah neha talking about lack of vocabulary of course the understanding was so less around that time and i do not know how much we have grown with the understanding of things but uh, definitely the stigma is still there and uh, but the very fact that we are able to do this podcast and talk openly about things that we have gone through in a journey of mental health i think we have evolved perhaps as a species as humans um, but at that point when you were hunting for vocabulary and you were looking for help uh, 
uh, when it came to your mother and uh, it was a very um, early understanding of what we call schizophrenia what is it that you as a child where did you look for support you know the first people that you always turn to is is family but uh, uh, of course these are things that you know because of our, our family conditioning because of the way society is there's so yeah. much shame and stigma anything yeah. that looks messy looks dirty and is unpredictable nobody yeah. wants to touch with a barge pole right yes. and so even though we grew up in a um, in a well resourced well placed family yeah. you know living in delhi with the with the best of education and all of that yes. uh, in in this time of crisis we found a uh, complete sort of social ostracization um mm-hmm. family and friends uh, were were hard to come by it was also very hard for us to talk about it mm. i spent a large part of my school years just pretending to fit in pretending to be normal um and 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 trying to sort of uh, run almost and hide from the shame and stigma that i carried within myself mm. um for many many years um but it was also amplified because it th- that's how everybody treated us as well you know so yes. um uh, family started stopped calling uh, people stopped meeting um you know it was it was very hard to predict what will happen when when one came back from school i didn't know how the rest of the day would go uh, because uh, anything could happen any day you know that such was the imp- unpredictability of of living with uh, an actively um uh, psychotic uh, and undiagnosed untreated person um and my brother was younger than me and so both of us really sort of went day to day uh and uh, and and tried to sort of somehow hold it together in some semblance of normality yeah yeah it's very hard to talk about it um understand neha in terms of what you could have faced but as you grew and you as you grew up and uh, perhaps you were taking a lot of responsibility you grew up as a child with a lot of responsibility so at that time you literally would have become a caregiver a caregiver who was living with their own fight and traumas at that point and when you look back now you're running amaha which is one of the big centers when it comes to mental health how has that journey been in terms of a caregiver when we talk about this is what now caregivers should be given yeah i mean the caregiver needs also also change depending on uh, what their support system is right what yeah. they are dealing with how hard it is or how isolated they are versus how much they are accepted and supported by their family and community um uh, for us i mean just to just to um sort of trace back uh, as as a young child uh, the caregiving journey was was uh, more passive it was more just sort of fight fight or or flee uh, the situation you know and uh, somehow cope from a day to day basis mm. um it was more uh, crisis management than caregiving right because yes. at that stage the illness wasn't even diagnosed at that stage it wasn't cr- treated and so it was simply saying here is, here am i and my younger brother and family in crisis yeah. and how are we going to manage the 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 repercussions and the consequences of this daily eruption right what yeah. might that be Yeah. who will we go to for support when there is police involved when there is yeah. uh, you know uh, for a large period of that time my my mother and brother were not there for about 10 years uh, we we spent 10 years looking for them across the country and somehow in the course of that distance realized that there is a schizophrenia diagnosis and then equipping ourselves with that word we went around the country sort of seeking her out and then finally finding her starting the treatment 
and you know um, i remember um that hunt was going on while i was writing my school board exams uh, and in college and and the beginning of work life yeah. at a time when i think i had almost given up on yeah. ever finding them you know? yeah and uh, so i think the you know it's the the first and foremost thing is to is to realize you know for for society and for people at large to realize what it is to be a caregiver and to be a family member living with or or in this case hunting for someone uh, yeah. who has a mental illness uh, what kind what support looks like right what yeah. uh, what uh, validation and acceptance looks like and then to try and equip ourselves with the tools and 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 try and see how how best to build back right yeah. whether it's build back the family build back the health the physical and mental health yeah. uh, because often there's a lot of physical distress as well when somebody is mentally suffering i mean in my mother's case they were they were on the streets for 10 years uh, oh and God. that creates its own degree of uh, physical challenges right that yeah. uh, that uh, she has dealt with yeah. and today seeing her um, you know fully recovered fully stable after 15 years is yeah. the, the biggest uh, blessing and the biggest lesson yeah. uh, in how uh, you know these these sort of illnesses can be managed yes. and and can be treated so I think the first thing that we have to realize is that we are a caregiver in those situations because often you know you you don't actually realize that there are needs associated with caregiving you know you tend to just sort of minimize alter and deny your own reality and go about business till you don't have a burnout or a or a crisis yourself right um so the first thing really is to realize that there is a challenge uh, and uh, and what can be done about it uh, and then to go out and get the support whether it's support in community or therapeutic support um whatever it might be uh, that might help uh, people um get get the help they need and and be able to navigate that absolutely and i think this is such a neglected thing to even understand it it's mental health mental illness is family disease everyone goes through it and everyone everyone needs support and help including the caregivers which is so important i want to come to the point of your mother functioning uh, at an absolute uh, normal and great state right now uh, i'm going to talk a bit more about that but before that when you mentioned neha coming from delhi and trying to understand the infrastructure and even now the infrastructure neha of a capital like delhi when it comes to mental health is not at the optimum and uh, the challenges are pretty much deeper in terms of getting to the right doctor in terms of the private and the uh, you know government hospitals in terms of the costs of mental health uh, when it comes to treating severe mental health conditions what has been your experience since now you are uh, running a maha has have you seen the challenges getting addressed over the years yeah i mean uh, you know there is an impatience uh, somebody who's been looking at the the mental health infrastructure and the way services are given and the clinical management from the 1980s to the 90s to the 2000s and now there is an impatience wow. to say yeah. it's 2023 yeah. you know over the last 35 years yeah. where is progress uh, and and what how how yeah. much easier have we made people's care management journey so the way i think about it is people take minimum 4 to 6 years maybe 10 years in our case 25 years to get to their first uh, sort of uh, uh, you know aspect of treatment 
and then what is their journey from there wow. you know at least after that the care management yeah. can be coordinated there can be integrated services provided if you need a, a psychiatrist and a therapist you need to get community support you need the support of some digital applications everything should ideally be available to you and not just to the person who's going through distress yeah. but to the entire family so that there is an entire support system that is available that can take you through your care and support rehabilitation and lasting yeah. recovery right and that is really what yeah. is what yeah. is missing it's not just an india problem i mean um, you know all over the world yeah. uh, there are different segments of mental health care that are sitting in silos um it's hard to figure yeah. out what is credible what to trust it's hard to figure out any degree of standardization and so you know the dream really yeah. was not even to build the gold standard of mental health but just to say this is the absolute yeah. bare minimum standard of mental health care that should be available to everybody in this country and anywhere in the world right so Very what does well, that yeah. look like then well you know i mm -hmm. yeah. just you know people who have been through this over the years i mean i've, I've been a caregiver for for my mother's Uh, schizophrenia yeah. uh, you know we we I talked to briefly yeah. about my brother but you know he 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 suffered endlessly for the entire duration of his life and and sadly um, he passed away 2 uh, years ago and you know looking at what that intergenerational trauma is what his untreated mental illness yes. was um and how we lost a life you know uh, yes, yes we we gained my mother's um, sort of recovery and rehabilitation and she's doing wonderfully well but we lost a life that we yeah. needn't have and and you know even though we had all the resources and all the support available uh, we couldn't uh, necessarily um, sort of uh, save that life right and and it gets me thinking yeah. how we can ensure that uh, that that happens uh, not under our watch that happens as uh, as less as possible and we're able to really sort of support families who are going through that crisis you know and and so we started thinking yeah. about what that looks like as an ecosystem of care right where if you yeah. if you feel yeah. that there is a problem and you know let's forget yeah. about stigma and denial i think covid has done that for us that it is for a large population you know whether it is domestic violence domestic abuse addictions digital addiction i mean no matter what it is 200 million people with diagnosed mental health disorder pre covid today the number may be very different but let's just recognize that this is every in every household in every neighborhood in every employee employees office uh, and in every school yeah. and college right and so how do we create an ecosystem of care what does that look like how quickly can we get information yeah. available how much can we help people assess themselves uh, how quickly can yeah. we help uh, provide some self help that is 24 by 7 yeah. the idea of amaha is to be available when yeah. people are in need and in the way that we can best serve each one's needs whatever it might be they might yeah. need therapy they might need psychiatry so we we decided to create uh, an interdisciplinary team uh, that is uh, 130 members strong today of uh, psychologists psychiatrists therapists who are all working together and serving a whole range mm -hmm. of mental health uh, challenges so that you know often there are comorbidities mm -hmm. so you don't have to go to different place mm -hmm. for different challenges right you know that whether mm -hmm. it is uh, a person suffering from addiction and the caregiver of the addict or whether it is somebody who is with bipolar schizophrenia or depressive disorder the whole family can get the right support at their fingertips mm, lovely lavinia in terms of uh, your mother when we talk about her being back and being fully functional and she is living with you now when she's handling things and she's taking care of everything including your daughter while you are building uh, the mental health ecosystem it's so lovely but schizophrenia when you talk about neha it comes in different 
forms for each one. Uh, it's almost like the blood sample, almost like the finger uh, signs. It's different for every single person. So yeah. it cannot be like one treatment for all. So when we did our earlier episodes on schizophrenia with multiple people, including the psychiatrists, including people living with it, we realized that everyone does not get back to being in that normal position uh, mm. or normal state, as we call it, or being fully functional. So do you feel that so far our understanding of schizophrenia in terms of the research has been done well enough for us to uh, treat people with schizophrenia because when the treatment comes, it first starts with trial and error and what works for the patient. It's different medications given in different doses. So yeah. where do you feel that being, being here, you understand the space, do you feel that the research and even understanding with the most prominent of people working in a uh, mental health space is not there or somewhere it's lacking? So if you look at it, you know, th it, this is such a complex condition and uh, there are so many complexities yeah. that surround the medication part of it, the, the family relationships and often, you know, in a, in a schizophrenia home. Uh, I mean, there are so many other challenges also to factor in. So when you look at all of that, uh, my view is is split down the middle, right? On the one hand, I mean, if I take my mother's trajectory, somebody who was um, a high achiever, doing very well, um, and um, had obviously the genetic predisposition uh, for schizophrenia, had severe traumatic life episodes that triggered it, um, had visible symptoms for a few years before she went away, uh, 25 years not treated, and then started treatment four or five years going through the treatments in and out, right? Constant experimentation, yeah. what drug worked, didn't work. We're seeing that journey, right? It's, yeah. it's not easy. It's, it's, it's very, very tumulus. It's very it's, hard to sustain. Yes. Uh, when you don't have infrastructure, yeah. you don't know if your doctor knows what he's doing. You don't know if the drugs yeah. are working. You don't know when you'll see the light of day. Oftentimes, people just give mm. up, right? And oftentimes, uh, yes. doctors might give up. Oftentimes, um, you know, the experimentation yeah. cycles take such a toll on the body that the body gives up, right? So the question is that yes. how do you ensure yeah. that, you know, and, and you can't really, you know, that ensure that uh, you're all moving in sort of perfect alignment and continue to do so for the longevity that it needs, right? Uh, what we found in my yes. mother's case is that four or five years out, we, we experimented with various drugs um, and, and, you know, sort of the dosage was either too high, which created a severe, um, uh, you know, a stiffness of joints um, uh, uh, and a lot of sort of uh, other physical uh, sort of side effects. Um, and then we would adjust the dose and then there would be a relapse and, and that kind of went on. Uh, and how do you find the rehabilitation in a way that you're returning the person to as close to their normal and their normalcy, not like a not like a drugged out, zombied version yeah. of themselves. You know, it's really important to, to retain the, the soul and essence of who that person is and how do you get to that. So I felt that after a few years, thanks to, thanks to the rigor and care of the, the clinical psychiatrists who were supporting my mother, uh, one of whom is with us today at Amaha, and I have an immense sense of gratitude um, for Dr. Ramya Banerjee, uh, who's in our Delhi center, um, for having worked through that period with us. And um, today, it's been 15 years. She's on one injection every three weeks. She knows she's taking it. 
she discloses it herself she takes it herself she discloses it to every other physical ailment doctor mm. and um, she doesn't talk much about the illness but she knows that the medication keeps her in in a way that she can live her life well with her family and um, and she's been stable yeah. and you know she enjoys socializing and and doing all the things on the other hand if i was to look at another case which is the case of my brother you know who's who was diagnosed initially yes. as uh, as having learned schizophrenia um in his childhood with my mother and then went on to having some sort of schizoaffective disorder then perhaps misdiagnosed as only depressive disorder treatments being mismatched and aligned uh, in and out of institutions like nimhans and others where there was um lots of sort of a, a dispute over over diagnosis and treatment um and at the end of it all yeah. i felt like it was too little treatment too late in the day um with very little commitment from his side and from uh, you know uh, people around him to try and see that through and uh, and as a result uh, you know he he just couldn't he just couldn't continue that journey of suffering and uh, over a period of 2 years uh, he actually suffered uh, before he passed away uh, and and he died by suicide uh, and uh, you know so that to me is a real loss uh, uh, to all of us as people who are trying to work in this space and and we couldn't we saw it coming and yet we couldn't do anything about it so that's that's my understanding as a lay person and as a caregiver uh for for families uh, with schizophrenia and also two generations of uh, psychotic illnesses yeah near the misdiagnosis and he sort of you know finally dying by suicide i mean do you think that at that point neha do you think that the system did not sort of help enough or do you think that the system itself needs help in understanding do you feel that the psychiatrists themselves are trying to hold on to something or a lack of information or understanding you know like the core of it the, where is the core of it like what could you have done yeah Yeah. it's both of those and frankly i mean i'm sitting here today talking to you i'm i'm working with amitana maha yeah. and we're working with so many psychiatrists and i am willing to work with any psychiatrist or therapist who at least wants to see what is the better way to do it who at least wants to talk to each other yeah. to coordinate care i think you're absolutely right it is people yeah. who need help it is the yeah. practice that needs help uh, in terms of the way it is delivered yeah. right but it is also the psychiatrist yes. and therapist who need to understand so in in a in a longitudinal case you know for instance here you're talking yeah. about 20 years of suffering if the earlier yes. psychiatrists don't yeah. talk to the new psychiatrist if there is a disagreement between people in terms of what the diagnosis is and what the treatment plan is yes. there is lack of alignment yes. the therapist is saying something yes. else the psychiatrist one psychiatrist is saying something else typically you take the same condition to multiple people they will come up with perhaps different diagnosis and for the you know to be on the safer side there will be multiple drugs prescribed so that you know you just sort of yes. overdose the person and then by a process of elimination mm. you know so we are like guinea pigs sitting there and and i think that yeah. is the challenge for that is that people don't necessarily know and it's also the nature of these illnesses people don't necessarily know uh, uh for sure yeah. whether it is schizophrenia or bipolar on day one people may not necessarily Correct. know what drug will work this person's uh, illness and and what will not right so unfortunately it's not easy even for psychiatrists because there is a set of biopsychosocial factors that are fed into this people respond to different drugs yes. in different ways at different intensities and so it is a little bit of a, a sort of a open question as to what will work 
in that though while you cannot guarantee outcomes what is it that you can yeah. guarantee that is my question mm. you can guarantee mm. ensuring that uh, entire sort of longitudinal life history is taken the family and the circumstantial input is taken uh, you are seeing the intergenerational aspects playing into what that person's current state is and not just treating the patient mm. for what they're saying at that moment right mm. you are uh, the, the therapists and the psychiatrists are working together on this you are making sure that you are yeah. engaging with their communities whether it is their school or their workplaces or uh, people in their environment so that you are able to triage and find the best kind of understanding of what it is that you are dealing with now the question is who cares enough yes. to do that who has the time enough to do that correct right? whose incentives correct. are aligned correct. enough to do that right what a person needs yeah. what a family needs is coordinated yeah. care is continuous care right the same multidisciplinary yes. care but in, delivered in a way that is in sync so that the the work that is done in the community support group and with the therapist and the psychiatric medication is all tying in and then the other thing that is needed is proper communication and proper planning right so even if yeah. you can't guarantee me an outcome but you can communicate to me a plan you can help me understand what my milestones might look like what recovery looks like right what what is good look yeah. like how do i know that i'm making progress you know these are typically long term conditions with very very slow acting drugs how do i know what this journey is going to look like if the medical community and the therapists and uh, you know all the other sort of ancillary support whether it's the educators whether it is people working in social services whether it is our employers and employees at workplace if we can sensitize people to know what this journey looks like how best we can all play a role in the the recovery yes. and the rehabilitation of this person it would be a big help the idea is simply this you know can when somebody is in distress and they get up they should have a point of support and they should have the kind of care that best suited for them and um and and can we deliver yeah. that together you know with across our sort of online offline platform but also with other stakeholders i think yeah. that's really the the dream yeah. that i've at least carried for the last 30 years and hoping to try and bring that to life yeah. here yeah yeah totally that's brilliantly put neha in terms of sensitizing the system needs sensitization uh people need to understand you know what you know in terms of the families themselves they need to understand how to deal with somebody who is who's a caregiver and also how to deal extended families your uncles your aunts your this and that everyone needs to be sensitized to what exactly this one family is going through and also in terms of the stigma neha there's a huge stigma within the system Yeah. within the ecosystem when it comes to uh, the psychiatrists uh, clinics and this and that people sitting in the on the front desk taking calls uh, people interacting with people who have mental illnesses like your basic level pns and your nurses they have not been taught or made to understand what the family or the person is going through in terms of mental health condition they are just they they understand repulsion but they do not understand compassion and they're not sensitized to the situation and that i think is a big part of the infrastructural problem yeah yeah it's a question of um, it's a question of narratives right and um, uh, and we talked mm. earlier about incentives and motivation so if you look at if you even look at the vocabulary yes. around mental health right it is uh, you know it's very important to not locate the problem in that person alone but to recognize the role and the contributing factors of society or community and all the players right 
so how can we ensure that there is yeah. a certain narrative and an understanding that is built around mental illness what are the words used to describe different conditions how are we instead of labeling somebody how are we helping people understand what their clinical challenges might be but also what their strengths might be and how best to support that person yeah. right if we can create more understanding yeah. and more narratives and really the lead on this is is people with lived experience people who've gone through it themselves sharing their stories of of experiences and and their strengths what are they what gives them hope right that is what builds the narrative and then for the medical community and for the psychiatrists and the broader health community also to recognize that you know there is a need for change right so there's a little bit of unlearning also that is required if you need to keep the 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 family and the person with the lived experience as a co-creator in their journey of of recovery right it this hierarchical system yeah. of you know the psychiatrist being here not even making eye contact giving you 5 minutes of time writing out a prescription and seeing you in 2 months that has got to end so some degree mm. of accountability transparency respect in the system is really what we are what we are looking to to create right and and that will come when yes. more and more people get up and demand it right and ask for that change uh, to happen so i think yeah. that that shaping of narratives yeah. is really sort of one part of it and the other is then looking at how practice is is um, is put together right so you have lots of independent practitioners and and they they're doing what they are meant to do right so um you know they'll probably hold yeah. on to a patient uh, perhaps not necessarily in the best interest of the patient sometimes because they don't want to pass on the patient yeah. to another person you know maybe for a different condition or maybe a therapist to a psychiatrist or vice versa so it is these insecurities or ego challenges that we have to get past and say what is best for the patient how do you create a system where everybody's incentives yeah. are aligned so the psychiatrist and the therapist are gaining yeah. by working together instead of losing by working together right and they are they are collaborating yes. towards the same patient's sort of recovery and health so that is about the system design and how do you ensure that you yeah. uh, support with communities with information with assessments um mm-hmm. with as many sort of care management tools so people can also help themselves so how do you create a strong sort of empowered ecosystem so families don't feel debilitated on this journey they feel strong they feel confident they feel clear they have a plan and after that of course nobody can guarantee outcomes we know where science stands and we know where you know how different people's outcomes are different but at least you know you have a good shot at that and you are able to at least sort of navigate that journey in the best possible way without causing further distress to yourself and and in some cases not losing a life as you go along so now i think we addressed everything mostly in terms of the system problems in terms of what all we can do the challenges that you are addressing the center is addressing and uh, i believe a lot of our listeners are also aware about it but one thing that comes to my mind neha is that we are talking uh, about metros we are talking about mumbai delhi bangalore and uh, do you think uh, that when we go outside the metros when we move to smaller cities even cities like jaipur or even cities like say outskirts of delhi meerut the understanding and the stigma is very the stigma is very prevalent the understanding is not there and people do not want to talk about mental illnesses and mental health issues openly do you think this could perhaps be a way forward in opening and getting more people uh into the ecosystem people who are still outside and are not ready to accept mental illnesses and mental health challenges i think the tables have completely turned in the sense that there are far more people who are out there ready and willing to get help than the help that is available 
and then you can talk about quality help and credible help and organized help and that's a whole other level so mm. people are mm. seeking help and particularly after covid it is not you know at the level of mild challenges where you have a little bit of maybe marital discourse maybe teenager issues maybe um, uh, you know sort of other uh, social cultural education related challenges maybe it is not really um, uh, it's it's still a little bit discretionary but at the moderate to severe level where you're dealing with addictions where you're dealing with psychotic illnesses where you're dealing with severe risk uh, you know in terms of de- depressive and anxiety disorders people are seeking help many more people than we're out there to serve so i think as a as a practitioner community as a provider organization all of us have the joint responsibility to assume that there is much more work to be done even with the current level of stigma or acceptance whatever you might call it right it has changed drastically today it has become a dinner time conversation today it has become uh, a, a conversation that is happening regularly between parents between spouses in schools in workplaces so just to put stigma in perspective you know because that can often get in the way of developing services and saying that you know we're a long way off from people wanting them i i think that's untrue today you know there is a situation where people are um are desperately looking for inpatient centers and not finding them yeah. desperately looking for the right psychiatrist and the right therapist for which they are paying thousands of rupees and still not getting the appointment right so there is a big demand and supply gap here uh, to to the extent that at amaha now we are heavily invested in training and capacity building both with the professionals and with the wider healthcare communities like the gynecologists the gps the pediatricians mm. um the school teachers college teachers we're doing a lot of work within mm. community to be able to build that early access and educate people on how best to get support so i i think we really are at a time when we have to embrace the opportunity unfortunate opportunity that covid has presented where it is no longer discretionary people who have a moderate to severe problem are talking about it and seeking help actively it is our responsibility as organizations in this space to co- combine our resources combine mm. our shared learnings build bridges so that we are able to give a sense of mm. uh, a care ecosystem for people right and and to be able to apply best practice to be able to bring evidence based there is so much unregulated uh, non scientific yeah. um, you know mismanaged care that is also yeah. being offered in the name of mental health thank you so much neha i appreciate your time and uh, i look forward to having more conversations with you as we move forward and good luck with your venture thanks neha i think for me some of the key takeaways also as a caregiver has been the crisis management what does a caregiver do in the middle of a crisis what are the support systems available to them and also how do they take care of their own selves very important point is mental health conditions are not one individual person conditions they are family conditions the entire family needs to be taken care of there is a solid stigma attached to mental health especially when you move out of metros like delhi bombay bangalore what's happening in smaller cities is something that we need to pay attention to if not gold bare minimum standard is important for the ecosystem i think i love this line because a lot has to be done in terms of infrastructure in terms of crisis management in terms of the vocabulary of mental health i have faced and seen a lack of communication within the ecosystem where one practitioner does not agree with another practitioner how to solve that and of course 
a lack of research or maybe understanding when there are multiple treatments given for severe mental health conditions. So much of work to be done in the mental health space beginning with compassion.